What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 146 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It's been a while for me, but my guest was actually here more recently than I was, which is an interesting thing to say out loud on my podcast. Eric Cole, what's up, man? Hey, man. I just I, I just filled in temporarily just because that was when JJ was available before he went to the winter meeting. So I, I'm happy to not be on full-time hosting duties and just getting to enjoy <laughs> talking baseball. Yeah, um, I will say that I enjoyed that. Um, that won't, I mean, I'm usually going to be here, but I, I really thought it was better without me because it was a prospect heavy podcast it's not my favorite thing but i like listening to it and uh, you guys did a great job so if you guys somehow missed that podcast please go back and listen to that it's the most recent show in our feed but that um that show combined with the complete and utter lack of news um was kind of the reason why we didn't do a podcast last week and i thought honestly that we would have something to talk about that was new between you know two weeks ago when i recorded and now but really really kind of don't there's some news ish stuff some buzz kind of stuff but nothing new in the winter meetings so the winter meetings were very quiet and um as a result of that we don't have an overflowing uh amount of content but because it's you and i eric we're gonna have plenty to talk about because it's just what kind of what we do here and i guess the headliner of the week is JT, JT Real Muto for like the fifth time in the offseason. Um, some weirdness here. Nothing necessarily has changed because he's still available. He's still on the Marlins. The Braves might have interest in him. But there's been sort of like a source-off between Craig Mish and Mark Bowman, which I'm enjoying. I, I like Bowman a lot. Um, and there's been a lot of a lot of back and forth between those two gentlemen. Um, also, a lot of the fan base kind of asking for our opinions on what's going on. Knowing full well that you know I'm not super sourced and I'm just, I'm just gonna kind of read between the lines, but before we get into into, this, into the specifics of what's been reported, what's been like your general reaction here? I think it's been kind of entertaining, but nothing has for me nothing huge has changed. I know there's been some like firm pronouncements on both sides, and because of that being on both sides, I don't feel like anything's actually changed here. Yeah, it's funny that like it's not like uh, the Braves have interest and like both reporters are kind of like. It's like, you know, like 60-40, you know, like, well, the Braves are kind of interested, but not really. And then it's like the Marlins, you know, on the Marlins side, like, well, the Braves are pretty interested, but it's not, it's not a done deal. It's like Craig Mish saying, like, the Braves are the favorites to land Rio Muto, and it's Bowman saying, the Braves aren't even, aren't interested in him at all and have moved on. And it's like that absolution, for, for one, it's, it seems very much like, you know, two sides leaking information out, trying to both drum, you know, drum up interest in Rio Muto to drive up a price versus, you know, trying to dumb down the interest and drive down the price. And I think it, I think that any rational person would see this as the Braves would be stupid to not be interested in Real Muto and have an offer out there. But it seems like that they've kind of, they put their offer out there. They're interested and they're willing to move on. If that's going to be something that the Marlins are interested in, the Marlins wants to get a better price price than that. And, but they're also, they also know the Braves have the ability to pay more if they really wanted to. So they're trying to kind of goad that side into paying more because they're trying to drop up all this interest. And I mean, it's just it's just a it's just a media game to me. Uh, I think the Braves are interested in Real Muto. Uh, I also think that they have a set cap as to how much they're willing to commit to m- making a move there. Uh, I also think that that market is one that is dictating what they might be doing in other with for other moves because it you can only you know once you move prospects you can't move them twice because they're gone. Uh, so like they have to kind of make a decision here relatively quickly in terms of the trade market, what they're gonna do. But at the end of the day, like it's it's more silly to me. It's just I, I wake up every morning and I know that one of the Marlins beat writers and it's likely to be Craig Mish is going to say the Braves are interested in, in Real Muto and that <laughs> Bowman an hour later is going to completely disavow it. And it's funny to me. 
It's very entertaining. Um, I mean, I, I know I'm def- I'm definitely more into the sourced game on the basketball side. I'm closer to that, but I also don't understand how this works. Most of the time, the media stuff doesn't really matter at all. What gets leaked gets leaked for a reason most of the time. But at the end of the day, very very rarely does this stuff actually matter to the negotiations that are taking place behind the scenes. You know, just for a little bit of housekeeping here, Craig Mish has now said the Braves appear to be a slight favorite. That's a quote from him um, from Real, from Real Muto. As of uh, a couple of hours ago, he placed a 35 percent hypothetical odds chance on the Braves getting Real Muto. That was the highest percentage of any of any team in the league. I love. I, I I love the uh, the, the actual numbers he's giving. The fake odds, yeah, it's always great for me as well. Um, And then Bowman on the other side, the most recent thing from Bowman um, was that he has said the Braves have not had any discussions regarding JTR Robinson within the past five days, and they do not plan to have any further talks with the Marlins regarding the all-star catcher. And after that, he says... The Braves have done their due diligence by monitoring Real Muto's market, but it hasn't been a priority since McCann signed, and Anthopolis's choice to voluntarily attend meetings in Denver on Wednesday was a sign the teams were not engaged in serious talks during the winter meetings. Lastly, he, the last thing he wrote, actually wrote, this is not, this is not a tweet, but an actual uh, post that he wrote, um, on, I, believe, I believe on Saturday. He says, and I quote, a source said Saturday night the Braves exited the winter meetings with an understanding that there will not be any further reason to for them to discuss trading for the Marlins all-star catcher, end quote. So, someone is telling Mark Bowman repeatedly that they don't want Real Muto. Uh, I am inclined to believe, as you sort of laid out earlier, that the Braves have an offer on the table, or at least they had an offer on the table. They would probably like to have J.T. Real Muto on their roster, but they're not going to change their offer, at least right now. They're at least posturing like they're not going to change their offer. And that's kind of where we stand. It's it's the, the, the back and forth is definitely interesting in a lot of ways, but it's kind of where we are now. I, I know the Braves would like to have him, but you know, with Flowers and McCann on the roster, it's not a gigantic need for the Braves. It would obviously be a massive upgrade. And I think, honestly, Real Muto is probably the best player available that we absolutely know is available. Like, there are guys, I'm sure, that are available that we just don't know it. But Real Muto, we know is available. Like, everyone knows that. Um, By the way, the market also changed a little bit today because the Mets signed Wilson Ramos. Yeah, that's a big deal. (laughs) That takes them out of the running, and that was one of the teams that was kind of, like, thought to be in it. So, if anything, that helps the Braves with their leverage or the Marlins' lack of leverage. But, again, like... We're guessing here, but I don't think either side is cor- correct. The wrong word. I don't think the Braves are completely out by any means. I don't think the Marlins side is um, quite as it's not quite as firm in the Braves side as the Marlins side is, is making it sound. If that makes sense. So like it's kind of in the middle as most things are. But that's where I am with it. I mean, do you have anything else to add? One of the questions we got, by the way, was from Doc Herbert. Shouts to Doc, who's a talking chop staffer with us. And he says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how sick are, how sick are you of hearing JT Real Muto's name? And I said 27 right away. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, it's, uh, it's pretty high. And it's because, <laughs> like, I'd love to have him. Um, and I also wouldn't be heartbroken if, like, another team, like, it, it was just over. Uh, the, it's just this constant back and forth that's just, it's so... You can you can only talk about it so much. It's just kind of like, yeah, he's a really good catcher. The Braves would really do well to have him. They would probably need to give up a decent bit, but probably you know there is definitely a limit to that. Yeah, I mean behind the scenes, even like there was the new report from Mish over the weekend, and we kind of debated debated writing about it just because it was kind of the same thing, but it was new and it was a little bit stronger from Mish. So we wrote it. We wrote about it a little bit. I think Scott did that. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. I mean, it's it's news-ish. It's not news. It's rumor mill, hot stove stuff. It's really dead right now, so we're talking about it. But at the end of the day, 
the Braves don't need, I mean, I think you and I have both talked about our individual feelings on Real Muto multiple times about an actual, you know, player acquisition here. He's very good. He'd be an upgrade on what the Braves have. I am scared of catchers in general. Um, that's kind of where I am. But if the Braves pull off a trade for him at a reasonable price, you won't hear me criticize it. Um, if they go overboard, which I don't, which they're not going to do, I don't think. That's pretty clear at this point. The Braves are not going to overpay, and they shouldn't because the Marlins have no leverage whatsoever. Yeah, and Everyone the, and the, knows I, they're going to trade him. <laughs> and, and if, there, and if an overpay was going to happen, it would have it would have already happened. <laughs> because, I totally agree. I mean, we and can, it's just not. Yeah, we could we could probably leave it there unless you have something else to add. I just we had to, we had to leave with that because it's the only it's maybe not only it's by far the biggest news out. Like I put out the mailbag call this week, and like half the questions were about Real Muto. And I'm like, guys, if you're not listening to the podcast already, and maybe not. So if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Um, hopefully, we just tackle that all. But I know my thoughts are out there, your thoughts are out there, Scott's thoughts are out there, everybody that's been on the podcast for the last two months. I'm pretty yeah. sure we talked about Real Muto on every podcast for like two months. Which is crazy, but I think it's true. <laughs> he is good. Braves would be better if they had him. The trade to get him would be very expensive, and how expensive matters quite a bit. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> that is it. And if a deal happens, or if something new happens, we'll talk about it next week. But um, yeah, we'll leave it there for now. Um, before you understand, all, you understand the trade's gonna happen. Like the trade's gonna happen in like twenty minutes. You know that, right? Oh, now. I'm sure it's gonna be Monday morning. I mean, we have a famous track record on this podcast of uh, Monday morning news. The Donaldson McCann thing was a Monday after we recorded yeah. on Sunday. Um, if that happens, we'll do an emergency pod. But until then, uh, here we are. Uh, okay, one more thing on the uh, just pure hot stove stuff. Um, and we'll co- actually a couple more probably after that. But um, Anthopoulos told Mark Bowman earlier, probably about a week ago now, maybe even like during winter meetings, maybe early on in the process, that um, I'm not sure how much he's, he was serious about this, but he, he kind of said the Braves might, might not do anything until January. Like he mentioned December as a timetable. That was the middle of our meetings, and now they've done nothing. And now, you know, generally, this is not a full, fast rule. Usually that week during Christmas is kind of quiet. Um, so we're here on December 16th, on the evening of December 16th. It would not surprise me at all now if the Braves don't do anything until January. Like, I think the Braves are going to do something. I, I highly doubt this is going to be the roster because, obviously, in the outfield, even if that, even if that something is – Sign Nate Marcakis or something else like, as a stopgap. They have to do something else between now and opening day because the outfield is the outfield right now. But you know, did, did that surprise you at all? That I thought was to say that out loud. It didn't surprise me, but like you know, as usual, fans were like, "Really, nothing until January?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's gonna happen." And by the way, he doesn't leak, so him him basically just he, him saying that is like relax everybody maybe a little bit. I don't know. It kind of struck me as kind of an odd statement to make because it was like on December 7th or something. Like, oh, by the way, it may not be till January. It's like, that's kind of weird to say, but maybe not. Um, I, don't, I wasn't that surprised, mainly because there are parts of this market, this off-season like, free agent trade market that moved very quickly, but it was only parts. Like It seemed like guys that had sort of weird limited markets in a lot of ways that got, that got their deals done. Um, I think that, like for example, Andrew McCutcheon, like I, I am surprised that there was any delay in his on his, in his camp at all to sign a three-year, fifty million dollar deal. Right? That that was uh, a lot of money. That, that's that that's I I thought he was like he was like a guy that was going to get two years. Maybe I mean not like a terrible annual value, but like I didn't think he was going to get that. So that that deal makes a ton of sense for him to sign right away. But I think there's going to be a little bit of a standoff. I mean, we we still don't know where Bryce Harper is going to be playing. We still don't know where Manny Machado is going to be playing. Um, we still don't know where Yasmani Grandal is going to be playing, which is a big deal with the GT Real Muto market because Grandal is a really good catcher too. 
and there's teams that could feasibly be in pay, play for him that would also be in play for Rio Muto. So there's kind of like this like weird tension in the market as kind of like where the big dominoes are going to fall, where the and then the rest can follow them. You know, there's there's players that I think the Braves would be interested in, but I think that they have to kind of come down. They're they're not going to be paying the early entry price of so that way they can get their dibs on them first because no one's really paying those prices except for a few a few specific guys. You know, Patrick Corbin got a good got a big deal, and you know, a few other a few other guys got decent deals. Um, it's gone now, though. I think uh, as yeah. you're kind of saying there, like it's now that you have passed the meetings, like the it's market's going to be tepid. Yeah, it's the luxury market, <laughs> which yes. is which is Manny Machado and Bryce Harper right now. And then there's guys like Michael Brantley and guys like that who might be thinking, hey, you know, I might be able to get one of those kind of those three-year, $50 million deals too. And that market just might not be there for that. And there's teams are going to be looking to see what kind of value they can get. And there's going to be a little bit of a waiting game. And it doesn't surprise, wouldn't surprise me at all if it was going to stay into January. And if that's what Anthopolis wants to do, if he wants to sign a couple, maybe a reliever, maybe a, maybe a lower to mid-level starter, and maybe – an outfielder, it doesn't make sense for him to try to jump and like just claim his guy, but rather get the best value and try to like you know figure out what money he's going to have and then what he has to cover in trade. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's not a situation where they where they have to act quickly. I know the fan base, judging by the questions, judging by your mentions and my mentions and talking chop mentions, people are really sort of frustrated is the wrong word. Well, maybe may frustrated, but just kind of antsy, like. It's kind of what always happens. People always want news, and during the copy era, there was always news, which I think probably <laughs> spoiled the fan base a little bit. You know, for better or worse, there was always a trade somewhere. And with Anthopolis, aside from the stuff about Real Muto, which is mostly just leaks about them not wanting him, like it's not like they're really leaking anything at all. Like occasionally you'll get a, a player agent sounding leak, like one we're going to talk about in a second with uh, Nick Castellanos. Other than that, there really isn't much to go on. So fans are just bored maybe like they're just kind of like do something I, now please and they see I, the I, national league east too like kind of blowing up the nats and the mets have been very active and that can kind of scare people too well i mean there is that and it's i mean look if the braves had just delayed the the josh donaldson signing yep. until if they just if they had <laughs> just now. happened in the winter meetings everyone would be thrilled agreed <laughs> you know what i mean it's just a timing issue and i understand everyone like look the mets are making some real moves and I know the jokes, you know, low Mets because the inevitably there's going to be some weird injuries and they're going to do some dumb stuff because that's just what happens with the Mets. But they're making real moves and that team is not going to be a bad team next year. And you still have the Nationals and the Phillies. They've made some moves and they they have a lot of money and they're kind of playing in some dangerous waters. The Bryce Harper and Manny Machado market where you know they could get a really high impact player very that would make a difference very quickly, but. I mean, the, the NL East is going to be hard, but the Braves are still the defending champs, and they added a guy at $23 million next year that won an MVP a couple years ago and is still probably one of the better hitters in the entire league. So I, I don't know what to tell you, those of you that are frustrated, other than to say that there's not a lot of movement happening league-wide right now, and the movement that's happening is probably movement that shouldn't be happening at the rate that it is. So be happy that you have a general manager that's like being a responsible steward rather than just being a guy that, you know, finds his guy and then throws stupid money at him because in two seasons when you when that contract is kind of coming due and that guy is older or whatever, you would be very upset that these moves would have been made. Yeah, I mean, your point about Donaldson is a perfect one um, in sort of to encapsulate, encapsulate the whole situation. That deal happened, um, those two deals, I should say, happened on November 26th when nothing else in baseball was happening. The Braves kind of owned that entire day and that, an entire like two or three day period. And if that if those deals had happened last week, no one would care. Like, I think people, not that they've forgotten, 
But Josh Donaldson signing is a huge domino. Like he he isn't Bryce Harper. He's not he's not Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, but you know, without question, he was a top ten free agent on the market, and the Braves already signed that guy. So it's not like it's just kind of weird to say like they haven't done anything. Like, well, actually, they signed a top ten guy on the free agent market. It was a one year deal. Somewhat, I get that, and, but and and some would say top five. Like some like no, I, I mean, of, if he's the guy, he's been pre injury, and even at the end of last season, he is a top five free agent. Like he's yep. an, he, as you mentioned before, I think he's a former MVP for a reason. That was not a fluke award. Like he was an MVP level player very recently. So I'm not projecting that necessarily for next year, but just to go back to the point, like Donaldson was a big time signing, and it just happened to occur in november instead of december um so people people are now like all right what's what's num- what's number two and then people got their hopes up a lot which i understand but um just be patient people that's kind of what we're going to say here i'm not a big um i mean if it's if it's march and this is the roster then go ahead and freak out but until yeah. then um, you'll be hearing relax. from us on that matter too because the, i mean i'm i'm willing to be patient in terms of like you know spreading the money around but i do think that when you have a window like this where you have young players and you have assets that you can go get players that if you're not making moves to improve making moves or improve the roster not just for like a one year deal like a Donaldson deal but like trying to make plays for players that are under control then like you are doing a disservice to your fan base and you're doing a disservice to the window that you have because you th- those windows close much quicker than i think people realize it's not oh, like you're sure. guaranteed you're not guaranteed a decade of dominance because you're the number one farm system in the league it's just this not is gonna- a, this is absolutely a big winner i mean We've said that. I try not to. I know you do too. We try to not be like hot take guys. We're going to not come on here and bang the drum about how this is like the biggest offseason in the history of the Atlanta Braves. I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but it's a big offseason. They, they have to do some things. Donaldson was a very nice first step, but they have some holes that just have to be filled. They can get, they can get creative too. Like Real Muto is a luxury move if they, if they go ahead and do that, but corner outfield is a move that has to happen. Like, they don't have anybody right now that can start in a corner outfield spot. They have Adam Duvall is not a starting caliber corner outfielder on a team that is trying to win this World Series this year. Um, um, moving Julio Tehran out of the rotation might be something that would be even higher uh, priority for me than getting Real Muto, honestly. Oh, I it's, mean, yeah, I mean, one for one, for one that's probably true. Just be, I mean, I, I do think, and I've said this before, I, I don't think Julio would just kill you. Like, I think if he's your fifth starter, it's not the end of the world. But he's also taking innings away from guys who you want to see. So there's a trade-off there. I think he yep. would help a lot of teams, actually. Um, he's not underpaid anymore in the way that he used to be. But he's also not, like, crazily overpaid either for what he kind of is. Like, he's not a good pitcher. He's not a good pitcher in capital letters, good. But he's an acceptable fifth starter on a lot of teams. Um, just the Braves have so many young arms that he's just he's just kind of in the way. So without yeah, that's to- more that's more my bigger point is just that we have so many we have limited slots and one of them's taken up by a guy who's just not particularly good anymore. Yeah, I mean, I still think if it's me, I think the most likely scenario is like is a deal that they basically just dump Julio to a team for like a C level prospect and just call it a, call it a day. Basically, just give him away. Um, and not have to pay too much to do it, but I don't think that's a bad deal on either side of the table, is what I'll say. Um, so, all right, we can get off of that briefly, uh, at least, and we'll come back to it probably in some form or fashion. But one trade, I'm not sure if it's even a rumor, but um, the Braves, uh, uh, Mark Bowman, again, Mark Bowman, good friend of the, pro- good friend of the podcast, was uh, quoted as saying that the Braves are potentially listening on Dansby Swanson right now. Uh, he did say within that same tweet slash report that that there's people inside the organization that are hesitant to move him which is not a surprise he's an interesting prospect former number one number one overall pick great defender shortstop etc etc but 
I mean, nothing surprises me when you're talking about hearing hearing guys uh, being available-ish, except for like Acuna and Freeman. Everybody should be available-ish. Um, did that surprise you at all? And what did you make of it? I didn't think much of it, but a lot of reaction was like, "Oh, really? They're going to trade Dansby?" I'm like, no, listening on him does not mean they're going to trade him. But did you have any reaction to that uh, little buzz that came out? I mean, I thought it was a little silly that people were like genuinely like like people were like genuinely like either a excited or b like upset that this was actually a thing like those same people would say the only people that should be untradeable are Acuna and Freeman were the ones that were upset about Dansby Swanson potentially being in a trade rumor and my point on the whole thing <laughs> and it drives me crazy because my whole point on it was is that Dansby is a is a flawed but talented player and that while you can't he has done nothing to make you say that he's untouchable because there's some people that would like happily slot Johan Camargo as the starting shortstop right now, and there are re- a lot of reasons to think that what the, what Dansby is right now is who the guy is is who he is is you know his his, his approach against certain types of pitches and just kind of his overall you know trends and sort of things like that like it makes you wonder maybe this is just kind of the hitter that he is and is that good enough and for a lot of teams that is and for others it isn't and. We can debate as to whether or not Camargo or whether or not sliding Ozzy over and putting Camargo at second, whether or not those options would be better. The Braves would be doing a disservice to everyone if they weren't, say, if someone were to like call about Ozzy Albies, what the reporting seemed to be is that the Braves were shifting that attention to talking about Dansby. That doesn't necessarily mean that they want to move Dansby. It just means that between the two guys, they would rather move Dansby and then kind of... Which is pretty clear, by the way. <laughs> like, and, and that's not... <laughs> Like, that's what they should be saying. That you know makes I mean? sense. I mean, Ozzy is younger and has been better at the major league level. It's not a huge surprise there. Like, I, I've been a, a Dansby defender. You know, if you look at the numbers from this year, he's not hit the ball. Like, he doesn't hit, and he hasn't yet. I'm not sure that I would close the door on him hitting, but for the last two seasons, he's been a bad hitter. With that said, this year he was a two-win player while not hitting. Um, so if you believe in his bat at all, he's still a useful player, but... It's very easy to see why people are split on Swanson. If you care about defense, you probably like Swanson more than if you don't. If you are someone who believes in guys longer than they longer in terms of prospect status, you might believe on him. But if you have a short leash, you won't. So there's kind of pretty clear dividing lines here. He was a capable major league starter last year, regardless. He was a two-win player. That's a fine starter making no money. That's fine. But and that, he'll, and that he'll has, be 25. And that has- and that has real trade value. Like, if the Braves were just going to dump him for nothing, I'd be irate. And they're not going to ever do that. That's not happening. No. Like, and there's a whole conversation also after that when there was like a there's like a sub conversation about what happens if they did trade him, whether they go to Camargo or whether they go to Ozzy at shortstop. That's one that we'll save for later. I promise. If that actually happens, we'll talk about it. But for now, Dansby being available is not a huge surprise. Again, everyone should be available. It just makes it seem like guys are like. They're not sitting there offering him Swanson to anyone that wants him. Like they might be, they're willing to take calls. That's not the same thing. Like it's a very important distinction. I think Julio I think Julio is available in all caps. Dansby's not available in all caps. He's someone who they would take calls on because again, I think even didn't I thought to say this? I think he even said something like everyone but Ronald or Freeman or something like that. There was some comment like. Is there? Any, I think somebody he might he might got asked if some if everybody if someone was untouchable and he was kind of like Ronald and Freddie or something like that. So it's not. I don't know. It, it's kind of it's just funny to hear people talk about this stuff because it's it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that the entire roster sands those two guys are available. That's just the way this works. Like 
there are certain guys who are higher, who are on, who are definitely on a higher a higher plane. Like Ozzy is on a higher plane. I think Fulty is on a higher plane. There are guys who are definitely not as available as other guys are. But if yep. you get offered something crazy for Ozzy, or if you get offered something crazy for Fulty or somebody else, you're going to take it because why wouldn't you? Like it's the only the only two guys where I would genuinely like fall on the floor if they got traded are Ronald and Freddie. Yep. That's it. I mean, those are the two guys. That's it. I mean, I'd be surprised if they traded Ozzy. I would, but I wouldn't be like stunned beyond measure. You know what I mean? Like, no, they have two premium, premium, premium assets, and everybody else, they have really good assets. Even the prospects, like now that Ronald Acuna is not a prospect anymore, they don't have a prospect available that I would be stunned if they traded him. There's not that guy doesn't exist. They have good, they have really good prospects, but they, there's not one guy that I'd be like, nope, can't trade that guy. Doesn't exist. I, I couldn't I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I just think that the part of the problem that, that making their guys quote unquote available is is that they have so many guys that are have major league experience with a ton of team control. <laughs> so even if they're not like you know perennial Cy Young candidates or perennial MVP candidates, I mean, if a guy is a two or a three win a two or three win player and he has six years of team control left, like you're, you're that's a tough sell just to move him at all. Let alone well, that's been a theme for, of this podcast for the last. Three years yeah. we've been doing it. We, we've been preaching that even with guys that we don't necessarily, at least I'll, t- I'll speak for myself, that I don't necessarily think are like star level players. I mean, we said about about Julio for a long time. Julio was under control for a long time. We like that a lot about him. Ender Enciarte, who I've been critical of as a hitter, has a ton of value because he's making very little money and he's a proven, like, full-fledged starting outfielder. Like, awesome yeah. defender, average-ish hitter. That's a great package for someone who makes like $7 million a year. Like, Team control really matters. And Dansby is a perfect example because even if you just think that he's the guy he was last year, we just assume he's he's that guy. He's a two-win player for all eternity. The next four, five, six years, that's a huge value because he's making no money at all. Yep. So anyway, even if you don't like Dansby, uh, just take that into account when you're thinking about trading him and all that fun stuff. But I want to at least put that out there because that causes stir, and I think you just hear the yeah. – uh, Stuff in our voice there talking about yeah. it. <laughs> well, well, and it's and just in case, in the case of Dansby, let's assume he's a two win player. He is not done with arbitration until twenty twenty two. He's going to make less than six hundred thousand dollars the next two years. And I mean, again, just to say it one more time, even if he's a little bit worse than last year, yeah, that's a huge value. Like he can't be, he can't just hit like he can't just not hit at all. Like there's there's a line of there's a line where you cross it. There, and there that is line, line was 2017, you... by the way. That line was two years ago when he was so bad at the plate that he was like borderline unplayable. Last year he had an 80 WRC plus. That's not good. But if he does that and plays Gold Glove defense at shortstop, you're fine. And that's what happened. So between it's kind of funny. They're they're in different situations because they're different ages and different levels of proven. But Swanson and Itziarte are very similar in the fact that. Neither of them hit last year. They both played great defense at premium positions, and I think people have trouble valuing valuing them as a result. I and think. they're both available, by the way, because Ender has been in all kinds of not rumors, but like he's available. Discussions, like, yeah, yeah. The they're, Braves they're, would trade him because why wouldn't they trade him? Like they're not again. They may not be looking to trade him, but when you have Ronald Acuna, like when you have problems. yeah, I mean, when you have Acuna on your team and Christian Pache in your in your farm system. You have to at least take calls on Ender and Ciarte. Like that would be irresponsible not to. Same thing with Swanson. Like if you because by the way, 
you have Ozzy Albies and Johan Camargo in your organization. <laughs> and by the way, a nice callback to like two years ago, Ozzy Albies, more valuable at shortstop in second base, Eric. <laughs> Indeed. We should have traded him. Get him better about it. Uh, here we go. Uh, anyway, let's, let's get off that. I just want to, I had to get that out there one, one more, one more time for fun. Um, <laughs> last thing on like pure, again, quote unquote news, Nick Castellanos got linked to the Braves within the last two weeks since we did the podcast. It came from John Morosi, who, has a mixed track record, but because it's the Tigers, he's very dialed on the Tigers. Morosi uh, is a Detroit guy. He knows that team or, and organization very well, so that kind of perked a lot of us up. I think when it was him talking about a Tigers guy, we were kind of more interested. Um, what do you make of him? He's obviously a good hitter, terrible outfielder, but young-ish and not expensive yet. So what do you make of Castellanos as like a potential target at a corner outfield spot? So it's kind of... <laughs> he's kind of like the anti Dansby. Um, he's Matt, he's Matt Kemp. <laughs> yeah, he's he's Matt Kemp with one year of team control, which matters a lot because that means that presumably the trade price would not be crazy. Oh, and, almost certainly because they're not they're not trying to compete either. So I'm no, sure that yeah, and that maybe like lower level prospects that could be interesting would be a little bit more appealing to a team like that. Uh, they're not trying to like turn around quickly. Um, it's going to take a few years for that, that team to become relevant again. It, that's a tough one because on the one hand, I get it. Um, and I think that, you know, the player that he was last year, if he was playing left field, that, that I'm, I am fine uh, in, ter- in terms of overall value, how, what he does for our lineup and things like that. But the, the Braves have really stretched, have not really stretched, they've really stressed defense in everything they've been doing, kind of like making sure that the players that they're putting on the field are at least defensively valuable because they have so many young pitchers coming up that they want to kind of make sure that they're not just kind of giving away outs that would make it for a young guy who's not really used to that stage yet that could cause problems. And that makes it feel less likely. You have to really believe that your defensive like positioning, your defensive analytics, which, to be fair, did wonders for Nick Markakis last year because uh, he was legitimately pretty good on defense last year. Um, not, I wouldn't call it, well, compared to what he was anyway. Um, I'll say that much. And you have to really believe that that would make a difference for a guy like Castellanos. And that's that's tough because I'm, I'm skeptical that he's ever going to be a good defensive player. But I also well, know he that, won't. he won't be good. I mean, that's yeah. kind of the ship uh, well, is sailed well, there. <laughs> well, I, I'm, let me rephrase. I'm not sure he could ever get to Useful. average. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, <laughs> just for reference, last year, Castellanos, at the age of, I believe he was, uh, yes, he was 26 for last season. He had a 130 WRC+, plus, which is awesome. He yep. had 23 home runs. He was a very, very good hitter. He selected 500. But defensively, he was among the worst players in baseball. Um, you know, he got killed by every metric, essentially, defensively. And as a result of that, you have this awesome hitter that you might think would be like a six-win player, ends up being a three-win player because he was so bad on defense. So... I, I do kind of agree with you that it would be not really bravesy to do this because defense defense has been a priority. And if you listen to this podcast for any length of time, you would know that we value defense, I think. We talk about that a lot. I think Matt Kemp's defense was a point of contention for a long time as a result of that. And there's a reason why I made the why I made the Kemp comparison. And that's because if you assume Castellanos is that defender that we saw last year, he's Matt Kemp, but maybe a little bit better hitter, um, which is, again, a useful player. But it's frustrating in a lot of ways. I do think you could hide him a little bit in an an outfield that has Enciarte and Acuna in it. Like, there's a way to minimize him a little bit with shifting and just having those two incredible defensive kind of guys out there with him. I think there is room 
on this team for one bad defender. Because right now, as constructed, the Braves, the guys who we know are around at this moment are Acuna, Enciarte, Donaldson Camargo at third, um, Swanson, Albies, Freeman, and the catcher spot. There's no bad defender there anywhere. Um, So I think you can go with one bad defender. I'm okay with that. But as you mentioned, just as a callback to where we were a couple couple minutes ago, it's all about price here. If he's your best option, if you kind of are out of options and you don't like the Brantley price and you don't like the trade options elsewhere, he's better than what you have now because you don't have anything right now. I think if it's between bringing Marcakis back or trading for Castellanos, I'll take Castellanos at a reasonable price. Again, it's it's all about market, but if you if we assume it's a very reasonable trade package because of only one year of control, I would choose that option. But if it's him versus someone you can get on a, on a, on a pretty decent longer-term contract that isn't a defensive liability, you might lean in that way. So it's all about factors that we don't know. It's all about what you can get him for. It's all about what else is out there. I would be okay with him being the opening day left-slash-right fielder, whichever one they choose, but there's some stuff you have to get past, and I think the Braves might not be willing to deal with his defense. I think they know more than we do about it, but when every metric is kind of in agreement that you're just terrible, like actually terrible, not just bad, like terrible last year defensively, there might not be a, there may not be a point where you can hide that at all. No, I agree. <laughs> just yeah, it's tough. It's a, that that that's a tough call. I, I I would probably trade for him, but like my threshold for how much I'm willing to pay is pretty low, pretty low. <laughs> Again, like, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I would do it because a his bat I think is legit, and b I just don't I don't think the price point is all that high. I don't think that. But if it is, then you just pass. That's kind of what it comes down to. So, an interesting name at least. He's at least someone who is uh, more off the radar. We, we've talked a ton about Brantley. We talked a lot about McCutcheon before he got signed. Um, Castellanos kind of came out of left field, <laughs> left field, I guess, figuratively and literally, but um, an interesting player to at least discuss. Okay, before we get to the mailbag, a couple of just quick hitters here. The Braves, since the last time we talked about this, which is a couple weeks now, hired a pitching coach. Uh, it's Rick Kranitz. I have no thoughts on this, to be honest with you. It's like, all right, cool, pitching coach. That's kind of where I am with it, but maybe you have more than I do, Eric. I mean, there, I don't know enough about Kranitz. I know that he was he's been around for a long time and he did a lot of work with... Uh, <laughs> trying to get what the how the Phillies were doing things uh last season which I'm not sure how much of the constant pitching changes was more just kind of organizationally driven or how much he had a hand say in it I will say though that I like having a pitching coach that at the very least was given advanced analytical data and information and did something with it when he was over there in Philadelphia now whether now whether or not that was correct whether or not it was whether or not he is that that's actually something that he's particularly good at I have Actual no idea. All I know is that I'm glad that there's someone that is taking that post, and ultimately that's going to be something we're not going to be able to really judge the the overall effects of uh, for another you know for basically until like midseason when we kind of know how the how he works with the pitchers and how well they're prepared and conditioned and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, Aaron Nola was really good, so I assume <laughs> yes he that, was. So and and people seem to think that you know Krenitz had a big hand in that. So if that's the you know, if he's willing to give our guys a, a similar bounce, then I'm all for it. But honestly, I don't. I just don't know enough about Krantz. Uh And the way that the Phillies kind of ran their pitching staff last year was really weird. And I don't know how much that was driven by him. Yeah, and they kept on the Phillies kept on their assistant pitching coach. Is that correct? They promoted that guy. Yeah, they were really like apparently. So this wasn't like a full ouster. They kind of just liked the other guy better, which I you know whatever. Um, so. I just don't have too much on the way. I don't want to fake this because I just don't know that much, and we'll see what happens there. I just want to at least note it so we haven't talked about it at all. Got a couple questions about that, so there we are. 
Uh, one other piece of news, Rio Ruiz is no longer with us in terms of the Braves, um, now in Baltimore. Um, no big surprise for Rio, because uh, he, he was not a part of the plan long term. I will ask you real quickly, as the prospect guru that you are, he'll be 25 in May. Is it just over for Rio? Is there a path for him to be a major leaguer moving forward? He has to become at least serviceable against lefties because he's not good enough against righties to be kind of a guy you can even platoon. Uh, he like he has to kind of at least have some sort of a semblance of a well-rounded game uh, against lefties and righters, and he just looks so bad against lefties. And you know he's has he has raw power, doesn't really show up in games. He's kind of more of a line drivey hitter. Is uh, a pretty good fielder, but is it going to win Gold Gloves? Like maybe he can carve out a role in the future as a bench bat, but it's just I don't see it happening. And it's a shame because he seems like a guy that people seem to really like a lot. And works really hard, and you know people, you know kept he, he had. You can see he has athleticism and strength, and you want to. And every once in a while, he gets a hold of a ball, and like, okay, here it comes. This is when he kind of goes on a tear, and it just never happened. So, uh, no, I'm not surprised he was going to lose a 40 man roster spot. I just, I just didn't think he was going to be even see much time on the bench. Um, they they had pretty seemingly given up on him, which you know is pretty fair at this point. He hasn't hit for a while. And, you know, his flaws are real and persistent. So it, it stinks because I've been, I've been covering Rio for a long time. And you know, since 20, uh, you know, since he first got, got, came over and was, you know, frustrating me with his, you know, a, like crazy high a, ability to draw walks, but his inability to make contact with baseballs, you know, it's been years now. And so uh, it's kind of stinks seeing him in a different uniform. And I hope he does really, really well. But, you know, ultimately he wasn't in the plans. So, yeah, I'm kind of, that's kind of, all I have on as well, but just for reference, he and Dansby are the same age. So people that are freaking out about Dansby like being a finished product, Rio's the same age and has never been a major league player. So, yeah, it might be over. I hope it's not. I've always kind of liked him in some ways, not as a huge like. I feel like we were lower on him than the consensus when he was like the number three prospect in the system, and then when he wasn't, it was like actually he's not bad. Don't give up on him. Yeah, um, I mean, he, you know, he, he's he's a in the teens guy, you know, like until he became no longer a prospect. But sure, uh, and, you know. yeah, and by the way, at, at almost twenty five, he's not a prospect anymore. Like it's just kind of hopefully he yeah. figures it out. He, he might have one. He might have one more chance, maybe two. Like if something goes weird, but he's got he's got to show more than he's shown, and that's how you end up in Baltimore. By the way, Baltimore's a good spot for him because they don't have a lot of talent. Yeah, so I'm about to say he'll works. get some playing time. Yeah, so he'll have <laughs> a chance. Gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be bad for a while. Yeah, they're really bad. Um, okay, to the mailbag we go. A couple questions, then we'll get out of here. Um, one comes from Steve, and he asks, "Why do I keep hearing that we need to keep all of our prospects?" There needs, to, and he says, "There needs to be some. Uh, there needs to be at least one big trade to move some arms." And at, at one point, are they are are they all blocked and meaning from potential and gaining max value? So the big question is, Eric, why does he keep hearing that we need to keep all of our prospects? Well, Steve, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that you're not following the correct people uh, and you're not having the right people in your life. What you need to do is get into onto Google and search Talking Chop Minor League Log Jam and you will find an article written by yours truly where I make the exact same argument that uh, that you are is that we there was going to have to be some moves made uh, and it's causing uh, it's not and it's not it's not fake like a fake problem to have like oh well it's a really a problem to have so many guys Right now, there are too many starting pitchers to put in slots, which will affect which affects how people are going to be like how pitchers are going to be moved up and down in the organization this off season and going into next season, which is already causing some prospects to be a little bit miffed. Not only because they're not sure if they're going to be moved up, maybe like they should be, 
but also because there's also guys that might get moved into the bullpen just to put them at the quote-unquote appropriate level, which is going to take bullpen slots away from pitch, from relievers that are wanting to move up too. It's a real issue, and I still think they're going to make moves though. Like, make no mistake, I, I wrote the article is that this is a this is kind of this offseason has this as a major thing or a real thing, but I still think that they're going to make moves that will make this kind of sort itself out. But you're right. It's it's a very real thing. It's particularly on the pitching side. Uh, not so much a problem on the position player side, but in terms of pitching, yeah, it's a real thing. Um, there are guys, there are you know, uh, plenty of guys who have real claims to Triple A starting pitching spots, and a bunch of guys who have real claims to Double A rotation spots. And there's just not that many spots, so you just have to move on with some guys. To be sure, and I, I do think that at some point they're going to make a deal. Um, they haven't really done that recently, where they just kind of make the push-in move with prospects. It's going to happen at some point. I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but I will just echo what Eric said and kind of move on from there. Uh, next question from Patrick, and he says, if the rumors prove to be true and the Dodgers sign Bryce Harper, would that bring Yasiel Puig's price down and make him a potential Braves target? There's been some mixed stuff. This is me now. There's been some mixed stuff on Puig. A couple people have hinted that he might be a target-ish for the Braves, maybe a fallback option. Others have said no way. I am tempted to say the target-ish thing. That's just me reading between the lines a little bit. And he's an intriguing enough player where if the market kind of just gets weird in the outfield, I would be okay with Puig as a target because I think he can play. But what do you think about this? I think if that he if the Dodgers get Bryce Harper, then they would be Puig silly will be very to, available if that happens. Yeah, he will he he will in fact be available, and the Braves would be like negligent to not check in because he has positive value. I understand that people don't like him as a person, uh, but those are the same people that would not want to sign Bryce Harper because they don't like him as a person either. Oh, and, and by the uh, way, Puig, like, by all accounts, is a lot better with his, like, personality stuff now than he was when he first arrived. Like, he had a lot... There was some really positive stories done about Puig last year when they were making their run about his maturity level. He's, he's a little bit older than he was when he got here, obviously. Uh, he's 28 now. He's, like, kind of more of an adult now from all from all of the reporting. I don't know the man. I know what you're saying is true, and then a lot of Braves fans, like, whenever you say his name, people freak out in a they similar do. way to Harper. But if you look at the player, and if you believe some of the buzz that's coming out of L.A., that he's sort of different, like a different guy now who's more mature, the player is very interesting in a lot of ways. He can really hit the baseball. Yeah, and it was funny. I actually did an, uh, I just did like a and a on my Twitter account because I was, I was bored one, one afternoon, one evening or something like that. And someone asked me about Puig, and I'm like, I think that they'll very much check in on him. I, just, I don't think he'll be super expensive, and he could be a useful player. And I got like several responses that were just the word no. Like I was the one deciding this. Like, and I'm, Eric, and why, that, why, did, why did you make the Braves call on Yasiel Puig? Uh, apparently, and more importantly, like that it was just settled. Like, well, there's just no possible way that Puig could be a good player for the Atlanta Braves in 2019, which is like, and there's some clear reason why that's true. It's just not. You're you are not correct if you think that he's just going to be some clubhouse cancer that's going to hit 150 for the Braves in 2019 if he if he becomes a Brave. You are just not. That is not correct. He's a good baseball player. <laughs> yeah, the, la- the last two seasons, by the way, uh, 2017 in full-time play, he had a 117 WRC+. Plus. He had 28 home runs, 15 steals, and about a three-win player on fan graphs. This last year, he played a little bit less because they had this incredible wealth of talent, but he was actually even better on a per-plate um, appearance basis. 23 home runs, 15 steals, and, and, and sorry, and 444 plate appearances. That's really, really good. A 123 WRC+. Plus. So... I get the skepticism to some degree, but there's no question that he's good at baseball. Like, sorry. Yeah. 
<laughs> there just isn't. Um, the, so the, that, the, reason, yeah. the, the reason why the Dodgers remove him isn't because he's a clubhouse problem. It's because that, like, they're actually kind of running out of – somehow they found a way to run out of money, especially if Bryce Harper's in their plans. Uh, and like, he's a guy that in his last year of arbitration is not going to be particularly cheap. But and so you, he's a, he's the guy like on the last year of the deal. He's the kind of guy that you would trade off to kind of you know make a little bit of room both on your roster and in terms of your payroll. That's just what would happen. It's not yep. because he's not because he's like you know the dregs and you would you know resign Nick Markakis before you bring him back. No, I would not do that. Um, okay, <laughs> moving along. Last last question. We've done plenty on most of this stuff, so we'll we'll get one more. This comes from Bill. And he asks plainly, will any relief pitchers be pursued this offseason? And he says, I think the change in coaching staff as well as Darren O'Day being healthy and supplementing with potentially with Max Freed in a super reliever role would be a plausible solution. Uh, we got In addition to this, this is me talking now, uh, we got a lot of questions about closer. And I think for me, closer is not going to be a priority. That's just something that I'm just not going to do. Like the Kimbrel stuff is still out there. Until Kimbrel signs, people will still be asking about Kimbrel. He has the obvious connection to Atlanta, etc. But... What do you make of the reliever market? Is this a priority? Should it be a priority? And I do want to always, always plug one thing from Talking Chop along the way. But um, what do you think about this question? So I never thought that Kimbrel was realistic. And, and when I Me keep either. hearing over when I keep hearing over and over again that he wants a six-year deal, I'm like, I definitely don't think the Braves should be out. on him. Yeah, I don't want any part of that. Unless it's like, Unless two it's million like six a year. years and $30 million total, which is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, it's just not that... That is not feasible, especially for a guy of his caliber. If he wants, if he thinks he can get that from somebody, he absolutely should do it. And I will remember him fondly as his days as a Brave. Um, but I don't want the Braves to have that contract anywhere on their payroll. Um, I have kind of coveted guys like Adam Ottavino's and guys like that, but I'm. It's tough because I don't really know what the reliever market looks like right now. Like that's a move market that hasn't really made. Like like Familia signed back uh, with the Mets with like a three year, thirty million dollar deal. That's ten million a year for a guy familiar. I, I would be in for a guy of that level at that price for sure, but I don't know how many of those guys are actually available, and whether or not familiar was just wanting to kind of get back with the Mets. Just that's just kind of what he wanted to do, and maybe that price wasn't available to other teams. Um, which, if that's the case, I mean, I, I am also open to the idea that Darren O'Day was a very good reliever for a long time. Um, had a had a hamstring injury, which isn't like an elbow, isn't a shoulder. Um, doesn't necessarily think I don't necessarily think that's going to be a like kind of a it's not like a chronic problem that he's going to have to deal with next year and that he should be pretty good. So that's an addition to the bullpen. And I agree that Freed being in the bullpen seems like some is one something I'm interested in because he's going to be a long man and I think his stuff plays up in the bullpen um, to at least get started to kind of manage his issue with blisters and stuff like that. The limiting his innings in that way seems very useful. Um, so overall, I, I agree with the idea of like the internal options that the Braves have, but I, I still think they need to be exploring some options. I just don't know if they necessarily need to be messing around that top tier of the market because it seems like that's pretty pricey. Yeah, I, I agree. And in general, relievers are weird to figure out number one on the on the market, which is why I never want to pay for them. Like it's it's kind of sounds counterintuitive to some degree that there's always going to be some mystery there and. In theory, if you like just knew a guy was going to be good, that would solve your problem. But there's just a lot of volatility there. One of the things that I want to get out there was that um, the the great Ivan wrote about um, not using big resources on, uh, in free agency with relievers uh, this week on the site. So please read that. It uh, goes into, into more depth with some graphs and things, things like that, as Ivan as uh, as always want to do. It's very very good and echoes what I always want to say. So um, just I wouldn't be paying big for relievers. I just won't do it. And if you if you have to do it go short term on a contract i don't want to be giving years and dollars to a reliever that's kind of where i just won't 
go there. Um, and and by the way, I think the combination of Venter, of Minter and Vizcaino is better than some people think it is. Like it's not incredible by any means, and the Braves could certainly benefit from a better back end of the of the bullpen. But as he mentions in the question, Darren O'Day helps, and I just think that they're okay right now. I mean, they need more depth in the bullpen, but like, there's no reason to go out and panic pay for Craig Kimbrell. Like, Adovino is would be awesome if you can get him a, a realistic contract. Uh, I, I think he's gonna be expensive. That's my. Problem. I do too. I mean, Kimbrell, we know is gonna be expensive. Like, that's why I'm just out on Kimbrell. Like, he's awesome, but because of where we just assume and everyone assumes that price point's gonna be, I just want nothing to do with that. If you get a deal on somebody, fine. And if not, you just figure it out. Like it's not for me. It's kind of like catcher. I think catcher and relievers are the two spots where I just don't want to go big, and they happen to be spots that people want to talk about a lot. And I just this is my personal philosophy. I would not be I would not be trying to pay market value for either position. I do think that if you aren't going to go for relievers, that you need to give like real starting pitching prospects who have real stuff. You have to have them in there. You can't have them just have, yep. you know, 38-year-old retreads in, you know, like the Peter Moylands of the world don't need to be running, you know. You can have a couple of those years. guys, but, yeah, I, I agree. Like, he, the question mentions Max Freed. That's just a theory. I mean, it doesn't have to be Max Freed, but he'd be really good in the bullpen. He, we've seen him do that before. There are guys in this system that would work. If you decide if, if you decide that Tuki Toussaint does not need to be in your 2019 rotation, which I'm skeptical as to why you'd make that decision, but <laughs> it, it, like um, if you decide that he is not in your 2019 rotation, then he should be in your 2019 bullpen for sure. Yeah, we, we've seen guys do. That. I mean, and I think people just re- people really think that once a guy goes to the bullpen, they can't come back, and that's just not true. We've seen it happen numerous times. David Price was a reliever when he came up. Adam, Adam Wainwright was a closer. Um, Chris Sale. Chris Sale was a, was yeah was a reliever. Like you've seen it, I don't love it as a strategy like too early. But if your plan all along is to all right guys, we don't we don't, we don't have a spot for you, but you're just too good for AAA, so we're going to use you in our bullpen. If you're contending, which the Braves are now, I'm okay with it. I didn't like it when the Braves weren't contending, and there was a lot of this buzz about using prospects in the bullpen. I didn't love that, but now that you're trying to win, and every single game matters. You have to put guys that are good in the bullpen. Like whether I mean you you, you know you know the prospects better than I do, but using some of your guys that are not going to be in the rotation for the bullpen does make a ton of sense. And at the very least, I'd like to see them use that like the, like the swing starter spot on Max Fried or somebody like that. If I can be in the rotation, instead of using you know random veteran X that's like you know what he's going to be, why don't why not try Fried? Why not try Tuki? Somebody else in that role because a that's they're more stretched out that way, and B, they're probably just going to be better. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and I think that there are some starting pitching prospects that they would not do well in the bullpen, like guys that's like maybe Colby Allard. Never, Colby <laughs> Allard would not be a good guy. That's He's like, the number one example of that. Yeah, run, run out there in the eighth inning. He still has a chance to be – I still think he has a chance to be a good starter – uh, or at least serviceable one. Uh, but he is not he's, the bullpen guy. He's yeah. He's a narrow. He has a narrow path, and you don't want a guy that's kind of living in the low nineties and like a location guy uh, mm. uh, running out there in the eighth inning because just not, that's just not going to work out particularly well a lot of the time. He is like uh, the perfect prospect, and maybe all of baseball that would be like never use like, never use that guy in the bullpen. <laughs> he's a perfect example of that. Yeah, but but you know, feasibly could be a starter, and then you know, some guys just don't like moving back and forth like the, they feel like that the their status as a starter or their status as a reliever like that that's something that's like a mentality for them and you know the Braves will know more than than we would as to kind of yes. what guys you think would adapt to that more than others uh, but I know there's guys who like 
you know, have started games in the minor leagues and they're just like, I am not a starter. Like, this does not work for me uh, in terms of how I prepare and how I think about games. Uh, for, and, and then vice versa, too. You know, like, like you know, I am not a reliever. Uh, this is weird. And I'm like, it's not, it's it. The results aren't good, and people make assumptions about them as pitchers. When, when in reality, a big chunk of it is like their routines are all thrown off. So I get that why you have to kind of know your guys, and they have to kind of like be adequately prepared for the roles they're going to be in. But I think that the Braves would be able to do that in this case, for sure. So to, to answer the question, I'm sure the, they're looking at the bullpen market. That's a market that traditionally takes a while because there's just a lot of uncertainty there. So it's not. You, you kind of know who the, who the best guys are, um, and they're all these closer types of big ticket prices. But that, that the next tier after that may not be signing until February. Like it might it might take a while, yep. January at least. Like I'd be pretty surprised if the bullpen was just settled in January. It's going to take a little bit. So be, that's that's one spot where you have to be patient because even in, even into March, like stuff can happen in the bullpen market. Guys will get. Guys will get DFA that you wouldn't expect. They don't make the team. That might be interesting. Your Sam Freeman types that are better than that sometimes. But um, the bullpen will be unsettled until March. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, or just guys that they're trying. People are trying to sneak into the minors into AAA, and then they you and know they you, fail. <laughs> yeah, and and then they, they then someone then the Braves find him and like oh yeah we'll take him. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean for, every every year like teams can find fifth starters and bullpen guys in March. Like they're yeah. available. Anibal Sanchez last year. Yep, was just out there he, for out there chilling. Yeah, it was like two weeks. It was like two weeks until like spring training was ended, and, and the Braves like snatched him up, and he was one of our better starters last year. Yeah, I thought uh, nothing. Of, I mean, nobody thought anything of it. It was like, oh, that guy was pretty good three years ago. Give him a shot. That's fine. We never thought he was going to be good. He'll, he'll fill in until Gohara's ready. That was the biggest thing. It was. I mean, no, and that's true. And by the way, Gohara's a guy who might be that kind of bullpen swing piece. Too. Yep. I'm glad you said that name out loud because if they think he's not going to be a starter, that's a guy who might be nasty in the bullpen. <laughs> Yeah, that's a guy who throws 98 with a backdoor slider. So from, from uh, the left side. Yeah. So yeah, he'd be filthy. Anyway, that's I hope that answers the question. But uh, you know, I guess the, tr- the the short version is just hold your breath because relievers are going to be uh, taking a while. All right, Eric. Well, uh, we've plugged some stuff. We've talked about a lot of stuff. Anything that we did not hit on that you want to touch on? Otherwise, let's just let's get out of here. I mean, it's it's almost Christmas time. It, it's almost Christmas time. Uh, it's unlikely that I will be on the show until after the holidays, unless something crazy happens. And uh, in which case, happy holidays to all of you. I uh, really appreciate all, all of you that's listening to us. For I mean, it's kind of wild how the level of support you guys give us, and it's, you know, it's something that we don't take for granted. So thank you all. I hope you all have a really happy holidays. Travel safe. Uh, I know that there's places, in, you know, that you know, the weather's a little bit worse than here, uh, down here in Georgia. Uh, and I want everyone to get back where they celebrate their time with their families during this holiday season and get get there and back safely. So make sure you have happy holidays and you know thanks for having me on again. Oh, it's my pleasure, sir. And just as a uh, as a podcast wide announcement, a week from today um, is the 23rd of December. There is a chance I can do a podcast that day, but probably not. I, I'm actually traveling um, for work that weekend, next weekend. So. In short, there's a chance we don't record again until after Christmas. If something happens, like if anything happens, I will probably do an emergency pot of sorts and catch up on everything. But if we go through another week plus, and this could happen, as we as we, as we outlined earlier in the pod, if nothing happens between now and Christmas, we will not, we will not have another another podcast. So just keep that in mind. Please subscribe um, so that you know when it's coming. And also follow us on Twitter. I will I will tell you guys when it's coming. Also the Talking Chop account. Also Eric's also Eric's account at Leprechaun. Please follow us all. But there is a chance we will not have a podcast until after Christmas. So if that happens, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you like to celebrate, we will uh, wish you the best of that. 
And uh, we'll, be, we'll be back in the near future. And hopefully if something happens, I promise, it might not be Eric and I, but it'll be me and somebody, Scott or something, if something happens. So when Real, when Real Muto gets traded Monday morning, we will, we'll have, we will have a new podcast on Monday night. But aside from that, thank you, Eric, for your time. As always, again, please subscribe. Tell all your friends, by the way. I know you have baseball friend, baseball fan friends, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, Braves fan friends. If they haven't found the show yet, please tell them about it. If they don't like it, that's fine, but give them a chance. Let them know that these two guys or three guys or four guys that talk on the podcast, you might like them. So uh, tell your friends. Thank you, everybody. Happy holidays, and we'll see you guys in the near future.